0: What got you there with gotcha, got you? got you there with Chandelane? Got you there with What got you there with Chandalane? Got you there with got you there with Chandalane? the
1: you. Daniel Gross is the founder of Pioneer. Previously, he was a partner at Y Combinator and started its AI program. Daniel has been an angel investor in companies like Cruise, Coinbase, Gusto, Open Door, Atrium, Figma, and others. If that wasn't enough, he also co-founded Q, a search engine that was acquired by Apple in 2013. Daniel stayed on as director there for several years, responsible for various AI projects across the company. If you wanna see how disruptive minds think, then you will love this episode. Hey guys, I wanna tell you about the brand I'm obsessed with right now. And you guys know I'm pretty obsessive about the brands I work with, especially when it comes to athletic apparel. You guys need to check out 10,000. You need to head to 10,000.cc and you guys can enter code WGYT and you're gonna receive 20%. Yes, 20% off your entire order. Why do I love 10,000? 10,000 created the only training shorts you'll ever need. They do so by simplifying your options to deliver three premium shorts that perfectly cover all the ways you train. They have one built for versatility, another for durability, and one super lightweight, perfect for one of those runs, or whatever else you do for fitness. No matter what you do, they have you covered. Crossfit, running, spin, yoga, lifting, or your weekend adventure. It doesn't matter what you do for fitness. They have a short for every way you train. They make it super simple too to find the right short. Just pick the short that's best for you, your lifestyle, personalize it with your individual needs with a custom liner and inseam options, and start getting after it. Not sure if they have the right short? No need to worry, you guys. Make a return or exchange. They offer free shipping, free exchanges, and free returns on every order. Like I said, 10,000 is my favorite brand right now. I am wearing their apparel all the time when I'm working out. I can't recommend them enough. Head to 10,000.cc, enter code WGYT, and you've got 20% off your entire order. You guys know how much I love travel. So I think you're really going to like this next brand. That brand is GlobeKick. Head to GlobeKick.com, check out what they've got going on. And you can also enter code WGYT to receive 10% off. GlobeKick makes your travel dreams a reality. They make it easy to discover, plan, and enjoy unforgettable adventures. And you're wondering what some of those adventures are? How about a yoga retreat in Italy? Cage diving with great whites in South Africa? Or their most recent trip was dog sledding and chasing the Northern Lights. Yes, they saw the Northern Lights. I think you guys would love checking them out. So head to globekick.com, enter code WGYT, and you've got 10% off. Daniel, welcome to What Got You There. How are you doing today?
0: Good. Uh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having
1: me on. Yeah, no, you were just finishing up a, a virtual team meetup. We're going to talk a lot about what you're currently doing, but we've got to start a ways back and, and a bit in your backstory. And you came here from Israel. You got to lay some groundwork. How, how did you end up here in the States? My
0: upbringing uh, was kind of leading me down a path of life very different from the one I'm living now. Um, you know, I'm talking to you here today, staring at sunny San Francisco and Silicon Valley. Um, but I grew up uh, on kind of the hilltops of Jerusalem uh, in Israel uh, as an Orthodox Jew, um, scheduled to to lead a again a, a life very different from the one I'm leading now. I uh, you know I, I think I expected that at this point in life I'd you know maybe maybe be in university, married with a you know half a dozen kids or so. Um, uh, and, you know, instead I'm out here in Silicon Valley, having started my second company, sold my first to Apple um, when, I was, when I was about 23. Um, and all of that kind of giant shift, that giant change, the split screen in the movie really happened uh, as a result of something very unexpected I did when I was 18 years old, um, which is I applied to this program called Y Combinator, um, which is a kind of a startup accelerator program. Uh, out here in Silicon Valley, and and I applied. I vividly remember from Israel, from kind of a military bunker, uh, tethered my laptop to my old Nokia phone to get some uh, GSM or or uh, uh, I, f- I forgot what that was called. WAP, uh, you know, what pages loaded, and I, and I filled out an application for a company idea that I had. I didn't even realize what I was doing, but when I clicked submit, I I really transformed my life. They invited me out. Uh, here, they gave me a, a small stipend, uh, to effectively live on for three months and they ended up starting a company, uh, which became a search engine, uh, which raised, um, you know, millions of dollars from Sequoia capital, uh, and, uh, a bunch of other preeminent, uh, venture capital funds and got acquired by Apple and it turned into kind of spotlight search, uh, which, you, you know, hopefully you enjoy using on your phone and your Mac today. And, um, had a, had, a, had a great adventure in life and, and having a great adventure so far. Ran a bunch of machine learning uh, you know, uh, projects across hundreds of people at Apple. Um, became an angel investor in companies like Cruise and Gusto and Coinbase um, and uh, Atrium uh, and a bunch of others, Opendoor, uh, and served as a, as a partner at Y Combinator and kind of paid it forward to other people. And in 2018, I decided to start my next company, uh, which is called Pioneer. And in many ways, Pioneer is the culmination of my life to date in the sense that uh, I am now trying to pay it forward uh, and and building a search engine yet again, but this time uh, for kind of promising people around the world as opposed to kind of files or documents. And what Pioneer tries to do is it tries to find people that have a story kind of similar to mine but a potential to even be far more successful than me and uses software to identify these people at at kind of a scale that's never been done before. Kind of like Google crawls the internet for pages, we crawl the web for interesting, promising people that have uh, the potential uh, to to really build uh, incredible companies, do incredible research, um, become incredible athletes. All that matters is that they're kind of exceptional in their own domain. And we try to find them automatically in software and fund their work, uh, regardless of what it is. And our belief is that uh, not just that we can kind of find these people and fund them, but that we can kind of even create them. You see, I kind of believe that there's a lot of people that have a story like my own where without these cheap interventions, get pulled into the paths of conventionalism or kind of the Ivy League and find themselves leading lives that are far more bland uh, and kind of monotone than they potentially could be. Um, I think the world could stand to have 10 times more Elons uh, that are currently sitting at anywhere from Accenture to Starbucks. Uh, And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get more people around the world to kind of take the untraditional path, irrespective of where they come from. Uh, We launched Pioneer in August. And uh, it's it's been going surprisingly well to date. You know, when you start a company, you kind of brace brace yourself and jump off a cliff and pretty much envision that you're going to crash into the ground. That hasn't quite <laughs> happened yet. Um, we funded to date about the software is really funded 30 people around the world, um, predominantly outside of the U.S., uh, actually about 55, 60 percent outside of the U.S. Uh, and we've had applicants from over a hundred countries, countries like Tanzania, Albania, Morocco, uh, the Netherlands, and even our applicants from the U.S. hail from small towns and cities. And so it very much kind of um, reminds one of the fact that uh, you know talent is actually pretty much globally distributed. Opportunity definitely is not. And we view ourselves as a, as a potential way to kind of right the boat here, because just like you know, Google gave the, 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 the breadth of the world's knowledge to everyone in the world. YouTube gave kind of video content to everyone in the world equally. We plan to give opportunity uh, to everyone in the world to really unleash what was previously locked within the confines of the Ivy League. Um, you know, the kind of elite brand, the community and the network to hundreds of thousands of people around the world that have the brilliance of Einstein uh, or have the creativity of Escher, uh, if just given, you know, a, a little bit of opportunity. And so so that's Pioneer. That's how it's been going. And, you know, out of these 30 people or so, they're, they're pretty exciting. I and mean, we have an 18-year-old curing sepsis, which is the leading cause of death in U.S. hospitals, a, a 23-year-old in Ghana building a competitor uh, to kind of uh, thumbtack um, people working on fundamental machine learning in Australia, people working on uh, self-driving cars in India. Uh, so it really spans the gamut. Uh, and it feels like we're, we're well on our way to kind of, you know, settling this, this internet Ivy league campus of ours.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm so intrigued by what you guys have been able to build there at pioneer. And it's so great to hear about the the success stories already occurring in such a short time, but I want to know what what sparked the idea for pioneer.
0: I guess (laughs) I've been thinking about this for as long as, uh, I, I can remember, and I think it's mostly out of internal angst, um, because my story shouldn't have happened. And I'm not even that successful. Um, but, but it shouldn't have happened in the sense that uh, it should not be the case that interventions as simple as the one I did, you know, literally filling out an application, can have such drastic impact on my life. Uh, and it certainly should not be the case that so much luck should be involved in success. Because you know, you come out here and to say Silicon Valley, and there's a lot of happenstance that leads to you know leads to situations that 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 cause kind of great things for the world. You bump into a person you end up hiring, you um, serendipitously meet an investor at a coffee shop. And I, 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 I'm worried uh, about the fact that not enough people are working on removing luck from the genius or success equation. Uh, and and that's been chewing on me for forever because i i think i was a benefactor of luck but you know luck is very inefficient right there's a lot of white noise involved in success and uh, you know over time as as i thought about what i wanted to do with my life it crystallized to me that um while the conventional thing would have been to work on any of the acute problems the world has securing cancer global warming um uh, you know, inequality the real problem the world has is a lack of people working on those problems. So, to me, it's far more exciting to magnify the number of people that are going to work on, say, um, you know, building new cities or space or you know, curing cancer than to work on the individual issue myself because I think that's far more leveraged, uh, and so. You know, the spark was more of an emotional one than a, than a practical one, but that is often the
1: case with ideas. You mentioned how luck factors into things, and I'm interested, when you came to Pitch Y Combinator, they actually didn't like your idea, correct?
0: Yeah, that's um, uh, it's very true. I, I sat in the interview and um, actually left the interview and started walking down the street, and Paul Graham, the founder, chased after me and asked me if I would come back uh, and re-interview, or or not even re-interview, but ask me if I would come back and spend the three, the length of the three month program working on something else. They they didn't like the idea, but they thought I was good.
1: So so what did you do in that interview that jumped out to them?
0: Um, you know, they would later tell me that the real test wasn't necessarily the interview, but the, my response to the question that they posited, uh, and it turned out I I, I wasn't. I have no memory of this as i've blanked it all out but it turned out that when they asked me if i wanted to forego my idea and attempt to come out and work on something totally different there was a little bit of a pregnant pause uh which is what they were looking for because although i was probably thinking to myself on the one hand i really like what i'm doing i believe in it on the other hand this is an opportunity of a lifetime and i think it's that kind of flexible mindset that that isn't too flexible someone who doesn't jump at every opportunity nor someone who's too rigid is
1: what they were looking for it's so interesting to hear that and i'm thinking about context in my own life where i've had a little bit of that pause and, and really thinking on different things i'm also interested in your time at apple he, you mentioned some of the things that you and your team helped create at the time but what did you really walk away from apple learning i don't know is there a system they run there that just has helped you so much throughout the years
0: yeah, I mean, in, 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 probably an infinite amount of those actually, um, and it's and it's very hard. I think for it's ve- you know going through these experiences where you spend time, uh, you know, within a group, within a tribe, um, be it working at a company or spending time on a at university or going through an incubator or even being part of an internet community. It's really hard to reverse engineer. All the particular details you learn from it, because a lot of it is kind of by osmosis, by the peers that you're surrounded by, and indeed, this is kind of what we're trying to imbibe in software and pioneer. We're trying to make like an online scene or a city almost uh, of uh, of people that are really productive to create more productive people. And Apple is kind of a well, it's a physical place, a campus um, where the, the where that kind of tribe rewards very much. Um, You know, very, very uh, 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 serious emphasis on kind of design, product principles, um, building something that humans enjoy as opposed to just following the, you know, the drip feed of capitalism into what will generate more revenue. Uh, And it's really just being surrounded by so many great people, Tim Cook, uh, Craig Federici, Eddie Q, Johnny, uh, and interacting with them that really shapes your brain. So it's hard to kind of codify particular things, but it, to me, the kind of meta lesson that was the most interesting thing was how much my own brain psychology changed as a byproduct of exposure therapy almost. Um, you know, I care much more about now the, the, the kind of I, 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 I grew up an Apple fanboy admittedly, but I care 10 times more now. About kind of the fine details and things, about the thought process and the craftsmanship that goes into something being made. Um, Whereas previously it was far more utilitarian. It also taught me a lot about management and growth at scale. Uh, You know, our startup did well, um, but it certainly didn't serve a billion users. There weren't hundreds of people working on projects that I was responsible for. Uh, And Apple had that opportunity and taught me, there's a lot of personal growth involved in that. You know, when you shove a 23 year old to, to manage a project that will touch a billion people, um, there's a lot of sink or swim and I'm incredibly thankful to the company for giving me the opportunity to, to work hard. I mean, I, 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 I didn't kind of rest and best. I was there there on weekends occasionally. Um, but to really educate myself on, on what it takes to make something successful at scale, like, like the iPhone or the Mac or the watch,
1: when you first came to the States when you were 18, what was your plan? Did you think you'd be here until where we're at right now talking? <laughs> um, no, I thought I would
0: leave after three months. Um, you really? I, you truly yeah, believe that? A huh. 100%, 100%. I did the math on how much money. My Combinator then gave out $20,000, which was in the Bay Area for for you know one to two people, enough to be here for maybe four months or so. I had to pay for the ticket from Israel. Uh, as well, so I didn't have too much cash, um, and uh, I thought I thought I would leave after three months, and my company would fail. and And I think that's the thing. I think that's the thing is people get stuck in these frameworks of decade long, you know, arcs of where they're going to be in ten years, and five years. And one of the worst things I feel like adults can ask kids is, "Have you figured out what you want to do in life?" No one knows the answer to that question. Um, and the right framework for me is what I try to preach to others is opportunism. Uh, you know, not too much opportunism. I do believe there's commitment to things through good and bad times that is important. I stayed at Apple for four years. You know, I didn't have to. Uh, I, I did it out of a sense of obligation and duty. Um, but opportunism, in the sense that when you are at these ju- decision moments and jun- junctures, um, you should just. You should be very open-minded about what to do and not be totally prescriptive. You know, Something may take you down a two-month path. Something may take you down a 10-year path. It's impossible to find out. In general, um, and this is something I, I, I learned from uh, Lloyd uh, Blankfein from, uh, of Goldman, uh, it is far better to have a fast reaction time to the present than to try to predict the future. Uh, and that's kind of become my, my framework for life and success.
1: That's a great framework. So you mentioned Lloyd from Goldman mentioned that. I'm interested in how you assess talent. So you end up becoming a partner, a Y Combinator. I mean, you see thousands of entrepreneurs and pitches. What are you looking for in the next great company?
0: Well, so one curious thing to note, by the way, before we dive in, is Pioneer looks for exceptional people, not necessarily just companies. We'll gladly fund um We'll gladly fund Elon to do his research before he starts Zip2 or SpaceX. Uh, We'll gladly fund someone who just becomes Einstein and and is a full-time researcher. Um, Because what we believe is we can basically look for the same things. Um, At a high level, uh, we look for people that are incredibly productive in whatever domain they're working on. And Pioneer is effectively a, a website, a product that tries to measure that, tries to measure productivity in different domains. We also look for particular personality traits that we think correlate with productivity and that's usually someone who's pretty conscientious um you know smart enough we don't think we're we're just looking for the super geniuses in fact we're probably not looking for the hyper geniuses um but you have to obviously you know be able to go through life and and make a certain semblance of decisions correctly um and then we're also looking for people that that are kind of outsiders you know not necessarily agreeable with their the environment around them people that feel a little bit like they've kind of saturated the world around them and they don't quite fit in we're not the best place for conventional people in fact we're probably one of the worst places for it i think conventional people are probably are already at harvard stanford princeton yale northwestern and all these institutions um we're kind of an outlet for people that are a little bit from the fringe but still ferociously kind of productive and have an energy about them. That's, that's kind of interesting. Um, uh, and, and I would say those are, those are kind of the traits that we look for. And, um, the thing about us, that's really unique is we take bets on people, even though, you know, technically they don't deserve it. Um, because we think the largest gift that we can give them is actually a brand and a community and a network, uh, that no one else will. Um, and we, we've seen people, a lot of our pioneers then use the brand that we give them the pioneer brand to go on and do things like raise more money for their company or get more grants for their research. And that is, I think the real gift that we're giving people.
1: Yeah, no, thank you for answering the question. I I intended to ask, I was much more interested in how you evaluate individual people. So that was a great answer there. I really appreciate that. So what does it look like when you bring someone into the pioneer, basically environment and you fund them? What are next steps for them?
0: Great question. Um, so Pioneer is basically a, uh, a 30-day online game uh, that uh, you can sign up for. And over the course of 30 days, you just try to get as many points as possible. And if you win our kind of leaderboard of points, uh, you, get, you get funding. You get uh, $7,000 in cash and uh, Stellar. You get $100,000 in Google Cloud credits. You get flown out to Silicon Valley. You get put together with other Pioneers and so forth. Um and it resets every thirty days, so even if you don't win, you can play again. And once you become a pioneer, in addition to some of the benefits I described, you know you you, you really, I think, get uh, what what I think are kind of the major benefits of the of the Ivy League, um, which are the community and, and kind of the the brand and network. Uh, you get put together with other folks that are like you, both in the real world and in the digital world, uh, and you have a network of people uh, that are also working on formidable things that are building companies that stand to change the world. Uh, And in many ways, there's kind of an infinite gamesmanship that goes amongst these people where they'll help you Uh, right now. There's actually, as we speak, as, as, as we record this podcast, there's a uh, kind of a virtual meetup of pioneers going on where they're all talking about kind of problems that they have and helping each other. Uh, And I think, I think if you are somewhere in some corner of the world, and you're working on a project and you feel alone. That is the number one thing you need. You need people that are both your peers and also people that can pull you up, um, that are slightly better than you, that can teach you. Um, finally, we also have a large mentorship component where we'll we'll kind of pair you together with a bunch of mentors and experts um, who have already built really established things. You know, people like Stephen Wolfram or Tyler Cohen uh, or Dylan Field, the founder of Figma, or Patrick Collison. Mark Andreessen are all kind of experts and mentors on our site, and we route them to the best pioneers based on a bunch of uh, different characteristics. So we're really trying to build a kind of package that could kickstart, you know, the next great person, uh, without really caring about their credentials or who they are, how old they are, or where they're from. Um, The last fun thing I should mention about it uh, about Pioneer is it turns out that the tournament itself is. Mm -hmm. Part of, the, part of the benefit. A lot of people who win Pioneer continue to reapply batch after batch um, just because th- there's an element of accountability in trying to win something over and over. Uh, and you know, it turns out you kind of want that for the same reason you want to kind of be on a campus surrounded by other people that are also working you know, uh, very aggressively on a particular project.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the gamification element of this. And, and I want to know how you view gamification as a productivity mechanism and, and how much thought went into that prior to Pioneer.
0: Yeah, I mean, in general, I find games fascinating. I think they are in a very underrated way to get people um, to get people to do things. Uh, you know, we have – you could envision a spectrum. And on one end of the spectrum, you have uh, – Things like drugs, caffeine, uh, is a good example, which gets people over the hump. All these pre-workout drinks athletes will take, you know, before, before, uh, before some type of performance, uh, and that kind of reduces the amount of willpower they have to spend in order to accomplish a goal. And at the other end, you have, you know, traditional software that doesn't really, you know, work with you to accomplish your goal. It doesn't reduce the willpower, but it enables you, like. For example, email or coding. And in the middle, you have games. Games, I find, have some of the potency of, say, caffeine, uh, in the sense that they really, they can kind of put you in a zone uh, where you're in flow uh, and you're able to do things you wouldn't be otherwise. Uh, and in fact, the, 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 the greatest example of this are video games where the only purpose is flow. Um, the, the only goal of a Nintendo game is to put you in a place where you don't have to think. And you can just do. Um, and we were trying to marry that with productivity. And we're trying to use some of the mechanics of games, things like point systems, leaderboards, quests, and side quests, uh, in order to reduce the amount of willpower people have to spend to get things done. Um, uh, and and I think all productivity software should have this. Like I think you know, email should feel rewarding, not burdensome to do, and it should direct you towards the right things to work on as opposed to you know, the things that give you a quick dopamine hit. Um, but it doesn't today for a bunch of w- weird incentive structure misalignment. And um, that's something we do quite differently. And so Pioneer itself is really structured like an, like an online game for productivity. Uh, and I think as a result, it gets people to do things they wouldn't have otherwise, and they keep on coming back for that same reason.
1: Yeah, when you mentioned productivity and and getting into a flow state, and we've had on Stephen Kotler who really dove deep into, into flow and knee-high-cheek-set-me-high has, has written a great book on it. You guys can check that one out as of well. Of course. But how do you get into flow? Um, I think about that a lot. I mean, I think about a
0: lot about the times where I need to get something done and I'm not in flow. I think those are very interesting brainstorms to have your, with yourself. You know, it's going to happen to you, t- say, at four o'clock, there's going to be the thing you need to do. And sometimes you can just step in. Um, and sometimes you can't. Uh, and, and for me, it's a, it, there's two ways to slice it. There's the mental element and the physical element. The physical one is a little bit easier to, t- to dissect quickly. So we'll just knock that one out. you got to be careful with what you feed your body. Um, because that can impair you or help you succeed. Just like training. Uh, if, you're, if you're an athlete or an amateur athlete. It is certainly possible to to win the marathon and eat terribly. It is easier if you eat properly, Um, and so you you know good nutrition just makes everything easier. Uh, And so I spent and and you know the follow up question to a lot of these people are uh, to to to, to that point is what are the details of it? But I think it's highly individualized. Sadly, I wish I wish there were global learnings you could apply to everyone. Um, I think there are very few. Maybe. I don't even want to say sugar is bad. For some people, sugar helps them push through, uh, you know, moments of difficulty. Certainly, <laughs> eating food, drinking water is necessary. Beyond that, I think the feedback is just experiment with nutrition and just remember and record and think about what makes you feel sluggish, what makes you feel good. That is one preventer of flow. The other is psychological. Um, when I lack flow, even if kind of the body is in a good place, it is usually because um There is either no, no I do not understand the novelty in what I'm about to do. Uh, I think fundamentally the brain is addicted to novelty. We want to be engaged and interested. That's probably why we're here as a species, is we followed things that were interesting and we constantly tried to learn. Everyone is trying to learn all the time. Um, why is refreshing Twitter and your inbox exciting? It's because there's stuff you haven't read yet that you could potentially read. And you have a predictive model that says, well, the stuff I previously read from this place is interesting. You know, My previous email, most of it's boring, but occasionally there's one really interesting one. Boy, I should continue to refresh it. Maybe I'll get an interesting one. Um, And so it's that predictive model that's now telling your brain there's nothing to see here. And so you've got to figure out how to make whatever is in front of you interesting and engaging. Um, Sometimes it's about reframing the task in your head. Sometimes it's about reminding yourself why you're trying to do that thing. You know, Sometimes it's about reminding yourself who you're doing it for. It really depends on your psychology. I'm a uh, a conscientious person that 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 has a strong sense of accountability. So for me, it's very helpful to remember who I owe this to. I mean, I I I like having people that are kind of dependent on me. Um, It it really it propels me to do uh, work. Uh, And so, you know, like food, a lot of this is somewhat individualized, but I I would really think about what's preventing you from finding novelty in that particular task, because that's why you're not finding flow. Um, And ultimately, games, again, are this environment that are designed to never have that moment. And Nintendo has people that have spent their entire life just constantly adjusting the grade of the hill so that you never feel it. Um, Never too easy, never too difficult. Uh, and so that's how I think about it. Um, I think, I think a lot of this comes from just introspection and reverse engineering.
1: With introspection, I'm thinking about this in in two ways, both giving yourself the time to really sit there, deeply think, and then also how are you getting into those elements where you're not overworking yourself so you actually have that time to think freely? I mean, I don't know. I feel like I have a lot of time to think. Um, my mind is very active. Uh, I,
0: I, I don't think, um, I don't find myself with, uh, I, I guess I should reframe your question. It's not about finding time to think. Uh, it's about figuring out how to make yourself interested enough in getting better, such that you find time to think. There's Time is a thing that is made, um, depending on what you're interested in doing. And I think there's a lot of people that live life and just have it streamed by them and don't realize that they can actively change it. You can really change your experience to things. Um, Life can be significantly better than it is. You can reduce the suffering that you have, no matter what that suffering is, uh, or you can increase it. Um, And I'm blessed to actually lead a life with very little suffering. I I thankfully have, knock on wood, um, I don't have many material problems. Uh, you know, I'm in good health. I I hope I have people that that love me. I have people that I love. I find joy in my work, um, but that requires a lot of luck. Which hopefully, you know, my work is about removing, but it also requires some work. You know, some effort, and that, and that's taught me that 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 is a very important thing to do. Um, You know, there's all this research about internal locus of control and external locus of control and people's orientation towards this framework, whether they believe they they can change their environment or not. And one could subscribe to the hypothesis that it's innate. You know, there's a gene somehow that modulates it. I, I don't believe that. I'm sure there's a gene that makes it easier or harder for you to have this framework, but I'm sure everyone can adopt this mindset that they can mold and change their life. And if you do, then you'll find yourself thinking about how to do it. There's no hack here.
1: Yeah. Thinking about molding and changing different things. I mean, do you structure your day, your particular way to to work best?
0: Yeah. And again, I think a lot of this stuff is individualized for me. You know, what tends to work really well is to do the most demanding intellectual work in the morning, uh, and, uh, to kind of ease off, uh, towards later in the day. Um, three, maybe slightly longer. Eight or nine years ago, before I was into before I was managing people, uh, I was very different. When I was just writing software all day, I needed a long time to boot up, and then I was far more productive late at night. Um, and so the lesson here isn't one is better than the other; it's just to adjust your schedule uh, in accordance. And that, you know that's something I I spend a lot of time on. Um, uh, you know, so the the hours of the morning are, for me are quite precious. Um, uh and and i think you know the thing people forget is you regardless of what you do i mean even if you're working at a at a company um uh you know that's very large you need to take care of yourself the company is is a place for you to do work uh and then you need to spend time figuring out how to how to improve yourself it's just a thing to do um it's not a giant you know the, the solutions here aren't reading in my opinion lots of self help books or um creating checklists or I don't know much. There's not too much process involved. Uh, it's just something you have to orient your mindset around To And for me, that's just something I constantly think about. You know, I, I constantly think about what went well today, what didn't go well today, what could be improved, what should I try differently? It's just the, the chatter that's inside my head.
1: You mentioned how you've shifted now and, you, and you're much more of a manager and leader. And I want to know what you found recently that that helps you inspire those around you so you can be a better leader.
0: Well, I think one thing that, that really helps a lot of the leaders and other founders that, that I work with and pioneers that I work with uh, is becoming aware of your own insecurities. It just makes life much easier. Um, if you can figure out that, you know, when you're in that meeting and you know, say someone who technically you know works for you says something that that causes you to be incredibly defensive. It's incredibly helpful to experience that in the third person as opposed to the first person. You know, the sensation of feeling defensive and you can occasionally really feel your almost muscles tighten up uh, as opposed to just being glued to the screen. That is the reality and not being able to step out outside of the frame because that enables you to win in all environments, which is what you want. You want to be able to always be an inspiring, promising leader, even when things are going badly. Um, and so becoming aware of your own insecurities and for everyone it's something else is, is I think, incredibly important. Um, everyone's going to have their own journey to doing this. Uh, you know, for me, it was a lot of trial and error. Uh, and it was just a lot of, honestly, I, I don't envy the people that initially reported to me when I was 18 or 19. I had no clue what I was doing, and I'm thankful for them for putting up with me. Um, the second thing I would say that's a good trait of leadership is really good, crisp communication. Um, In particular, getting to the point, answering questions succinctly. Um, uh, And and, and that's something one can get better at by, obviously, trial and error, um, but also by two other methods. One is just osmosis, being surrounded by other good leaders. If you can't find good leaders to be surrounded by, I suggest because you're physically just not in a place where that's happening. I suggest online communities. If you can't do that, I suggest books just reading a lot. I read a lot of biographies in particular about great leaders of our time. I find that really helps me kind of imbibe a little bit of their personality. Um, the Churchill biography that came out last year as an example is wonderful. Um, the, all the raw, the Chernow books are great. Uh, the one about Rockefeller is particularly good. Um, uh, the Isaacson book, uh, about, um, Actually, all the Isaacson books, except the Steve Jobs one, sadly, I think are very strong. Uh, the Steve Jobs book, I just found quite, quite boring. I wonder if it was rushed. Um, and then the third thing um, that one could do, I think, to improve their communication style is just write a lot. Uh, writing is a feedback loop for speaking in many ways, because you end up reading what you just wrote. Um, and as, I would just try writing. Don't worry about it getting published or not. Just write, 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 write. Um, don't judge yourself too harshly things just kind of improve over time Uh, and i would say the third trait going uh, up to the parenthetical there the third trait of good leadership uh you know in addition to being aware of insecurities and good communication uh the third trait of good leadership or a third trait amongst many um is just uh pattern matching and it's different from intellect Um, it is true that the great leaders that you meet are generally very smart um usually have very good memory. I found as a common thing. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I have super great memory. I certainly worked with leaders that have memory that is ten times better than my own, just quite uh, quite upsetting at times. But it's really pattern matching. it's it's the fact that you've seen similar things in the past to what you're seeing now, uh, which enables you to come to a very quick decision. Um, so a lot of people will talk about other traits, like, for example, good leaders are decisive or good leaders. Uh, make make good decisions. But I think a lot of that is just you have a bank of of similar things you've seen in the past. And the answer that the way to get that is just by exposure therapy, is to just get in the game uh, of, of making a lot of decisions and uh, being surrounded or surrounding yourself in environments where decisions are getting made.
1: You mentioned some great biographies, many of which came up on the podcast before. When you're reading, do you take notes? Do you do anything like that?
0: Yeah, my framework for this is I will do anything to read. Like I will take notes on the book. I will take notes on an index card. I will not take notes. I will take notes on my phone. Anything, whatever it takes to read as much as possible. This is also my strategy with books. I will read fiction. I will read nonfiction. I will read a book from the end to the beginning. I will read a book from the middle to the end. I will stop reading a book at some point. Um, I, and, and I mentioned this because I, one of the greatest gifts given to me by a friend was the realization that um, you should just read as much as you want, as much as you can, and you should not be very rigid or religious about it. I used to have a framework of I have to finish every book and I have to read it sequentially. And that's a great recipe to never reading because then you have dread books and then you just don't read because you're like, there's no, going back to our earlier conversation, there's no novelty in the chapter I'm in. So why pick it up? So why read? And now you're, you know, you're watching Netflix, which isn't productive and helpful. Or, I mean, it could be, but it's not reading. Um, so, yeah, I take I take a lot of notes. I scribble on books. I, I used to be so worried about that because I was thinking, well, you know, I'm reducing the resale value of the book. All these, all these crazy, you know, I think mostly neurotic Jewish uh, <laughs> uh, thoughts. And I've just given up. Um, and so, yeah, I, I definitely take notes sometimes.
1: You mentioned a lot of great books there. One I think you might be interested in is Origins of Genius by uh, Dean Simington. Uh It seems like a lot of the similar things that, that you've hit on and thought about, so that might be one to check out. I'll shoot you a note after. Please. But I'm also interested about infinite games and, and how you've shifted to playing those.
0: Yeah, infinite game. And the concept here, just for listeners, is a, kind of what you'd envision. The idea of any interaction you have shifting from kind of a finite game where you're very worried about between you and the other person who's going to win to an infinite one, where you're much more biased towards collaboration than adversarial competition. And I think the best form of competition is kind of a playful one where you're performing for each other. This exists occasionally in small groups. You see people kind of each try. They're they're pulling each other up, right? And and there's you can almost envision a leaderboard kind of like pioneers where points are... Everyone's kind of trying to figure out where they rank and they're trying to stack more points on the board, but in a very infinite way where they're willing to help each other as well. So it's both collaborative and competitive. Um, and you get infinite games when you feel like uh, there's, there's a couple of factors to this. Um, and there's a book about this topic but it called Finite and in Infinite Games. It slices it a little bit differently than how I'll describe it. Um, To me, I think you get infinite games is, one, you have to have a sense of confidence that you can win. Uh, And two, you have to have a sense that multiple people can win. Because if there's only one person, it becomes zero sum. Um, Or three, you you have to believe, you have to be playing a different game. I don't mind helping you win this finite game that I'm not playing. So, for example, you see this with siblings a lot, where one, in good sibling dynamics, it is often the case that they end up doing different things. And one can take pride in being really good at X. You know, I'm really, uh, I'm a really hard worker and my sister's really the smart one. You know, I, and the way that manifests is maybe my sister's a researcher and I'm a lawyer or something like that. I'm not making any judgments on either profession. Um, and so you get a sense that they're playing a different game. I strongly suggest, you know, with your friends, having friends outside of industry is very helpful for this reason. Um, Having friends that say aren't invested in your company is super helpful for this reason. Uh, And I mean, you can go against those two rules. And in fact, most of my friends are in the same industry, um, just as a byproduct of where I live. But, uh, you know, we have a sense that we can collaborate because winning is multiple people can win. You know, my company can win, their company can win. Uh, So I think when you have those three factors, you're able to start playing infinite games and it's just a much more fun life. And it's actually even if all you want to do is just win all the time, it's a much better way to win because when you when you have finite game nature, you just, I don't think you optimize properly. Um, and, and the reality of it is, you know, life is long. Multiple people can win. Um, and so more often than not games, you perceive as finite are quite infinite.
1: How long have you been
0: thinking like that? Well, I don't know. I can't tell. I mean, I read the book, a couple of years ago. So perhaps that crystallized the exact wording. But I've been using games as metaphors my entire life, um, I think. Uh, I, I think things really took it to another level with Pioneer because we started building one, started building a game. But I, I kind of viewed everything as a game. I mean, I think in many ways, you know, a cocktail party is a game, a dinner, you know, if you sit down at dinner. It's very, I, I kind of think there's, there's this interesting thing that's happening where if you become aware of it, it's very interesting to observe who is, you know, you're kind of building a leaderboard, you know, who's interesting at the table, where do I rank amongst everyone else, who feels really kind of self-authored and confident, who feels like they're just talking to hear themselves heard. Uh, and so every, that, that is in itself a game where people are kind of jousting for space um, and trying to figure out where they rank on a list. Uh, and I, I think it's a very common human thing to do. Um, so to me, it's a very natural kind of organic thing. I, it's hard for me to, to find the exact origins uh, of it in my mind, but I, I do think it's a powerful framework for one final reason I should mention, which is it relaxes people a little bit to think of things of games, because when you say the word game, I think you evoke, you know, you evoke, whatever fun or pleasure is to you um and i'd like us all to have more of that in our lives uh and there's no reason why work shouldn't feel like a
1: you know a fun game you yeah, know thank you for expanding on upon, upon that I, I love hearing your framework and, and your ideas so it's just it's just great to hear you cultivate that throughout the years and then really hone in on that and i want to move now towards your idea generation and I, I know you're constantly coming up with ideas. You have some fun ways of, of just thinking about new things. How, how do you do that on a daily basis?
0: Oh, gosh. Um, I, I, for, so, I mean, since, since I can remember, I was coming up with, um, with ideas, uh, I've had lists and lists and lists of ideas I've maintained over decades, um, literally decades. I mean, uh, I, 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 I think I'm just, my mindset is one where, um, I have, I have ideas now. I, I don't think this is of just a blessing. There's a curse to it as well, which is I have to make sure I stay focused. Um, you know, you, you don't, you don't win in life if you work on 19 things at the same time. Uh, and so for me, a, a huge outlet is writing stuff down and I have this giant at this point, it's a Google doc. Just list of ideas of companies, research projects, books that should be published, uh, and expand you know over time on it. Um, I don't know how that got started. Uh, it's just kind of part of my brain software, uh, and it doesn't seem to be going away. Um, uh, but you know, uh, I, I, I think I think the uh, and a lot of people will email me or, or call me or ask me how you know how should I have my startup idea. Uh, I think the thing to realize about sort of ideas is you, you, they, they don't, there's something meditative about it in the sense that you can't, I don't know if you put me in a room and you ask me to think of ideas that I'll think of anything good. And they kind of have to organically come to you. I think the best thing you can properly think of, if you really want to work it like a muscle are problems, problems that you have in your life. I think that's the right way to orient yourself. You know, what, what should be improved and just think from first principles, um, you know, uh it 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 it's lame that you have to wait for elevators. Someone should fix that. Uh you know ele- elevators should be kind of more efficient in their delivery. Um it's lame that you know you there's like six different apps you can use for ride sharing. Someone should fix that. Uh now these may not be like great startup or business ideas, but these are problems that exist in the world. Maybe they'll be solved by incumbents, but they're problems. Uh you know it's lame I was thinking recently, it's a very dumb idea, but I'm a I'm a long distance runner. I love running. Uh, there's no place where I could find hotels that are near good running routes. That's what I want. So that that, that should exist. That's a problem I have. Uh, and so I would just orient yourself to think about the anecdotal problems that you have. Uh, and, um, and hopefully from that, I think you, you get startup ideas that are actually quite useful.
1: When you're looking at one of these problems that you have, what would it take for you to actually cultivate this into a business is it something that has to keep you up at night or is there one factor that would make you do that
0: um yeah i mean i think the thing to realize about kind of going from startup ideas to businesses is the i guess the mistake people make is they look at you know when they think of businesses what do you think of you think of general motors you think of google you think of apple facebook spacex stripe dropbox these are giant things and so you get stuck a little bit because whatever idea you have is probably not going to be a giant thing, especially if it's a good one. Great ideas don't often start out as giant things. Um, and so I think the the thing to realize is that all of these large companies uh, actually started as really small projects. And it's, you know, it's, it's really interesting to go look. I would go look at the landing pages of all of all the large tech companies, you know, 2004 Facebook or 1999 Google uh, or, you know. Uh, 2001 apple whenever they launched that website uh they all look really stupid almost and silly and the re- you know if you look at those great photos of jeff bezos in his office uh you know <laughs> starting amazon with, with the graffiti on the wall um that that is what stuff looks like so uh, you know the thing to realize is uh, the small project idea actually could probably become a giant business the one twist on this that I recommend people stay focused on, is you should have a line of sight to what is a good market. Uh, I would not work on an idea that seems small if the market seems obviously bad, um, With where there's no path to differentiation. And this is a little controversial, a lot of people will tell you to ignore the market, the market will change, non-consumption, you gotta be careful. You don't. I would not start a food delivery app, um, it's just a bad market to participate in now. Um, you can think creatively about the market. So you can say, well, you know, maybe for whatever reason, Google web search isn't good enough for you and you want to do something different. I mean, maybe there's an interesting path to take down Google. That's a giant market with a large incumbent. But spend a little bit of time just thinking about how potentially you'd make a little bit of money, not a lot, and figure out how much margin there may be. Uh, Do not be too afraid if it looks silly and humble. But just make sure that the market you're operating in could be giant, if that makes sense.
1: No, that certainly does. That's very practical. That's some tremendous advice. I know we have a few short minutes. Can we fly through a few really quick hit questions? Sure, sounds great. Cool, can you just give a quick sentence on each of these people, Elon Musk? Brilliant, erratic, uh, you know, Edison of our time.
0: Steve Jobs. Uh, neurotic, uh, I think much more of, uh, would be a good one here. Um, it's much more of kind of the neurotic uh, Escher of our times in terms of his artistic ability being the important one. Charlie Munger. Seems like Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett have become the wizened old kind of grandparents of capitalism. Uh, we all wish would adopt us.
1: <laughs> Alexander the Great. Probably
0: the uh, the leader that has led most conquests all time ever.
1: If you were starting a company tomorrow with one co-founder, who would that be? Whoa. That's really tough.
0: I have I have four or five close friends that I, I think I would do it with. Now, there's no... It's I, I'm picking children, you know, if you ask me to find one person.
1: I got you. Would that, would that be the same? If you could take stock in any one person you've come across in your career, who would it be?
0: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple, there's a couple of great options. Um, no one specific person, you know, obviously charts the list. Uh, I'm blessed, I guess, is what, what, uh, I, uh, I'm reflecting on
1: any chance you could throw out a couple there. I mean, I think
0: there, there, there's, there's people that, that I'm lucky to call friends that are changing the world. Um, on both the co-founder and equity uh, concept, um, I, on the co-founder concept, I mean, Robbie Walker, my old co-founder, he's still at Apple. He's a wonderful person. Uh, a lot of the people who are advisors for Pioneer uh, are, are close friends of mine. People like Nat Friedman, the CEO of GitHub, Patrick Collison, the CEO of Stripe, John, president of Stripe, his brother, um, uh, You know, Elad Gill, the uh, angel investor, Graham Duncan uh, uh, out in New York is a... Uh, um uh, hedge fund manager is I think a wonderful person um who else uh you know I think Sam Harris is doing a great service to the world uh, I think mark andreessen remains one of the most generative people I've ever met uh, as is biology um uh and and you know what's what I feel really blessed about is I'm partially just scrolling my, uh, I chat history. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I think, uh, Michael Nielsen is doing really interesting research in a bunch of good areas. Uh, Naval Ravikant's, I think ideas just around the world are obviously resonating with a lot of people. Uh, I mean, all of these folks I think are, are really good. Um, I will say though, all of these people are kind of already at the top of their game in terms of, uh, underrated bets. Uh, I mean, the answer is assuredly our pioneers. These are people we are literally trying to take stock in. Um, so uh, you can basically, you can go on our site and, and kind of view all of them. Uh, I, we, we all, obviously, I, I strongly believe those are folks
1: that are going places. No, I appreciate that. I know that wasn't an easy one to answer. So final question, I know you've got to get going, but what's the best product you use?
0: Recently, I, all time best product I use is still undoubtedly the iPhone. Um Boring answer, but true. Uh, the recent new addition is probably the AirPods. I mean, they just work. They they don't seem to need charging. Um, if you want a, a, a more novel answer, um, something I started to use actually on Michael Nielsen's recommendation, perhaps a year ago. I use almost every day. is called Anki. A N K I. It's a spaced repetition memorization app, and it is basically a way to never forget anything. Um, whatever you put in the on key doesn't
1: come out of your brain. That's it. It's great. Well, your first two answers were the same for me. I hadn't heard of on key yet, so definitely going to look that up. But Daniel, this has been a lot of fun. I, I walked away from this learning a bunch. I know the listeners did as well. Where can they best stay connected with you?
0: Um, if you want to subscribe to kind of my thoughts, which you know are hopefully fractionally interesting, but perhaps Twitter is a good resource. Um, uh, I'm on Daniel Gross on Twitter. My email is also in my Twitter bio. You can email me there. Um, uh, and then, um, you, you, know, pioneer is actually a great way, uh, if, if you're interested in kind of further working with me or, or with other interesting people to like, for example, pretty much everyone I just mentioned, uh, I think almost all of them are pioneer advisors or ex, or, or mentors, um, uh, play the game and, uh, and see, uh, see how far you get. You'll learn a lot.
1: Well, we're definitely going to have all that linked up in the show notes, but Daniel, I can't thank you enough for joining us on what got you there. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, guys, I want to tell you about the brand I'm obsessed with right now. And you guys know I'm pretty obsessive about the brands I work with, especially when it comes to athletic apparel. You guys need to check out 10,000. You need to head to 10,000.cc And you guys can enter code WGYT, and you're going to receive 20%. Yes, 20% off your entire order. Why do I love 10,000? 10,000 created the only training shorts you'll ever need. They do so by simplifying your options to deliver three premium shorts that perfectly cover all the ways you train. They have one built for versatility, another for durability, and one super lightweight, perfect for one of those runs or... Whatever else you do for fitness, no matter what you do, they have you covered. Crossfit, running, spin, yoga, lifting, or your weekend adventure, it doesn't matter what you do for fitness. They have a short for every way you train. They make it super simple too to find the right short. Just pick the short that's best for you, your lifestyle, personalize it with your individual needs with a custom liner and inseam options and start getting after it. Not sure if they have the right short? No need to worry you guys. Make a return or our exchange. They offer free shipping, free exchanges, and free returns on every order. Like I said, 10,000 is my favorite brand right now. I am wearing their apparel all the time when I'm working out. I can't recommend them enough. Head to 10,000.cc, enter code WGYT, and you've got 20% off your entire order. You guys know how much I love travel. So I think you're really going to like this next brand. That brand is GlobeKick. Head to GlobeKick.com, check out what they've got going on. And you can also enter code WGYT to receive 10% off. GlobeKick makes your travel dreams a reality. They make it easy to discover, plan, and enjoy unforgettable adventures. And you're wondering what some of those adventures are? How about a yoga retreat in Italy? Cage diving with great whites in South Africa? Or their most recent trip was dog sledding and chasing the Northern Lights. Yes, they saw the Northern Lights. I think you guys would love checking them out. So head to globekick.com, enter code WGYT, and you've got 10% off. What got you
0: there with Laney uh, What got you there with Laney What got you there with Laney uh, What got you there with got you, got you?
1: Thanks for listening to another episode of What Got You There? If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and also share with your friends. Thanks so much. Looking forward to talking with you next time. If you want to stay up to date on all things I'm working on behind the scenes and everything we've got going on at What Got You There? Head over to whatgotyouthere.com. You'll also be able to see more on podcast guests and what they're doing. Thanks to Justin Great for providing us the intro and outro song. If you like his music and want to find out more about what he's working on, head over to justingreat.com.